Hello, family. You are listening to Concrete Pastures. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a platform to reach out to my fellow immigrants and dreamers. The goal is to provide a space for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We unlock the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer or an immigrant brings. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And to all of our new listeners, welcome to the family. Namibia joined us this this week. Oh my gosh, I'm always excited whenever a new country joins. Welcome to the family once again. As you continue to listen, family, don't forget to click the subscribe button. You know, it takes a lot of work to get our guests on here. It takes a lot of work just to create the content for you guys. Please show us some love by giving us five-star ratings and would love to hear what resonated with you. Leave us a review. Any support is appreciated. And if you'd like to be part of the show, don't forget, we do have our website, concretepastures.com. And also, I do have, I don't know if you noticed, we have the guest form in the show notes. Just click away. Fill it out. It comes directly to me. I'd love to hear from you. I want to be inspired by your story. So please fill it out and we'll go from there. I want to remind everybody, we also have our YouTube channel. Check it out. We do have video or two there. We are slowly uploading the videos. It's a lot of work to edit them, guys. I know you've been waiting for a while. They are coming slowly, but sure. Just bear with me. But in the meantime, check it out. See who's there. Maybe it might be your favorite guest. You know, put the face to the names and the voices that you are hearing. A huge thank you to FMG Radio for continuing to support independent podcasters like myself. Guys, if you'd like to sponsor this show, this show is open for sponsorship. So we appreciate all of the support that we are getting from the community. On Father's Day, which happened to be Juneteenth this year, I was invited to Zambia Blog Talk Radio. On that day, our guest today was on the panel and he picked my interest on what he was sharing on the radio. I decided to reach out to Dr. Msanje, who had invited me to, you know, listen. And long story short, Dr. Msanje gave me the phone number of the owner of the radio station. We spoke at length. It was a very interesting conversation in a really good way. I would love to share with you one day, maybe. <laughs> a few days later, the owner of the radio station gave me the phone number of our guest today. And the rest is history. He's here. 
I don't know about you, but there's all this talk about Africa, Africa, Africa. This is the time to invest in Africa. And our next guest was talking about that on the radio. And I knew that this would be interesting to all of us in the diaspora for him to continue what he was saying about investing in Africa. Today, he's here to share his perspective, his experience on investing in Africa. Mr. Jimmy Katuta is the founder and CEO of JK and Partners USA LLC, a community development network established in 2005 with the purpose of helping bridge the gap between America financial institutions and the communities that serve by creating substantial, sustainable, non-predatory lending practices to help the community better understand products and services offered by the banks and credit unions. He is also the founder and CEO of Katijam Consultancy Zambia Limited, whose mission is to provide heavy equipment financing for small and medium-sized enterprises in Africa, and also the founding member of Imaging Markets LLC, a premier global society of innovative professionals committed to creating a sustainable business and political relationships between America and Africa. His primary mission is to elevate general living standards in Africa. Welcome, Mr. Katunta. How are you? Well, I am good and thank you for this invitation. It's, it's very, very nice to be here. How are you? I am wonderful. It's an honor to have you here. I'm so grateful that you are here. I couldn't wait to have this conversation with you just to get to know your story and just continue the conversation from where we, where you started from. Just before we start, we want to know how you came to the U.S. You're joining us from Vegas, Las Vegas. How's the weather? Well, it's very hot. It's very <laughs> hot. Uh, the, the past few days, I think we have, we've been hitting 105. I think it was 107 yesterday. Oh, wow. But uh, yes. So it, it, it's what, what I love about Vegas is that as hot as it is, you only experience that heat at very short interval because you're either in your car which is air-conditioned, and then you get into a building, which is air-conditioned. But that space between your car and whatever building you're going to, that's where the, that's where the burn is. But otherwise, we're good. Five. Yeah. How, how are you? Uh, so, I mean, it's hot here in New York, but we have humidity. So that's what uh, cues us. Right now, it's Maggie outside and... Mm, Good thing I live by the beach, so I can go to the beach anytime. Oh, very yeah. nice. Very yes. Nice. No, with the kids, you're, it has to be convenient. Yes. Yeah, I had, they, I have to, I had to make something too convenient for them. But thank you for sharing. Could you share with us how you came to America? You are from the motherland, Zambia. Mm-hmm. How did you come to America and how long have you been here? That's a, that's a very interesting question, Nancy, because and the, the order I get, the more it makes sense to me. I was, I was 23 years old 
when I left Zambia. I, I, I left Zambia to move to Botswana. I lived in Botswana for about three years. Mm. And then I decided, you know what? I think I had reached the ceiling as far as Africa was concerned. Uh, I needed to grow some more personally. As an individual, I needed to grow more. And then also at that point, imagine at the tender age of 23, while most 23-year-olds are out playing, I was thinking, how can I help change our continent? Hmm. I was thinking about that because my experience in Zambia, when I moved from Zambia to Botswana, just the travel alone, I could see the change. And it was quite drastic. Zambia, you go through the, uh, the customs, yeah. And our police were not very well groomed. Then you get into Zimbabwe, the policemen there were better. Then I get into Botswana and everybody was, everybody was all polished. Mm. And I, it was at that point that I felt that, you know what, we could do better. We could do better. Uh, because if Zim, it doesn't make sense for Botswana to be so nice and well prepped. And then Zambia is not. And and we are, we are on the same continent. So something needed to be done. I was thinking in the terms of America. How is it that in America, because we've watched a lot of TV about American movies, right? So you see, you can, you can watch a TV show and it's, uh, it's in New York and then you watch another show, Dallas, and they all look the same. Yes. So I went to my father. Yes, I went to my father and I said, I think I'm going to go to America. I'm going to move to America. My father said to me, and I remember this, uh, my father is, has passed on now. He passed on about three years ago. Oh, but he said to me, thank you, thank you. But it's okay, everything, everything happens for a reason, right? We're all going to go someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nancy, what my father said to me was very profound because my father said, you are, speaking to me, so you are one of the most resourceful people I know and you leaving Africa to go to America he wasn't saying Africa saying you leaving Zambia to go to America you're depleting you're taking from your country you're taking a resource because you are a resource you are an asset so when you leave that means you're pulling from your country which means you're depleting and I said to him, uh, and I said, I said, Dad, I think I need to go away to the United States and see how they do things there. Because I want whatever it is they do there to make them so, uh, to make them thrive the way they do. I want to learn that and bring that back home. And then my father said, well, in that case, you can do that. And then he said, make me one promise. He says, I will. I will be okay and I'll give you my blessings on one condition. I said, okay. He says, have a son. Have us a son in America. And I was like, okay. And here we are almost 30 years later. I have a son. He's 19 years old. His name is Malaika. I'm so proud. So it's such a good kid. And yeah, and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. So that's why I came. I came to the United States so I can learn how they do things in business, in social, in social settings. I wanted to learn that. So now I'm ready to go back home. You're ready to retire? Not to retire, but I'm ready to start transitioning back home. 
because I think that we have, and by we, I mean my wife and I and the whole family, I think we've done enough learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time we went back and started teaching what we've learned. Going back to Botswana, what were you doing in Botswana? So I was, uh, I was selling cars. I, I have this passion for cars. It, it stems from years of childhood. My brothers and I, I had, I have, I have five brothers. Wow, let me count my brothers because I have Charles, Joseph, Francis, uh, Shinka, Small, Calibre, Nassau. So I have a lot of brothers. And when we were growing up, we would play. Uh, play those, you know, you see cars passing and you call cars out. So that's where my passion for cars grew. Oh, wow. So, yes. So when I started uh, in Botswana, I would go to Botswana, buy cars from South Africa and drive them and sell them in Zambia. So I was, the, I was doing the car business there. Oh, nice. Nice. But how you like America? How did you adjust to America? Uh, America was, it was interesting. It was interesting because uh, I came, I, 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 I moved to New York, like I told you, when I, I landed in, in New York and I lived in New York for, I think, three or four years. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot. It was, it was a shock. It was a shock uh, to see how fast things were, you know. Uh, back home, I remember when we have a lunch break, everybody goes to lunch, they close their businesses for lunch. Yeah. Here, it wasn't like that. It's like just clockwork clockwork which which also made me realize that's why this country is so advanced because they don't have idle time the whole saying of time is money i saw it in practice full force so i just i adjusted to that and and i enjoyed it i I grew into it i just i had to adapt i had to adapt and here i am now fully adapted so I'm, i'm good i'm good Nice. How's your son? How how does he feel about you going to a uh, back home? Because he's Americanized and yes, yes, and he's. Uh, I tell you, my uh, my son is one of those kids that I wanted him so much to be an African, but he leans toward more towards his mother's side. Crystal, my wife, is African American. She's his stepmother, but she literally raised them. Yeah, uh, because yeah, because my son actually, I, I, it's a bit of a tragic story. My, my son's mother, who was an old old friend of mine, and we turned into we turned an old friend, a ten year friendship, uh, into uh, a relationship, and we had that son. So she was from South Africa. She got pregnant, and I was so happy. We were so excited. She was having a boy. I said, "Yay! I'm gonna fulfill my dad's the promise I made to my father." Right? You know, I'm thinking. I'm like, what would have happened if this was a girl? I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking to your father's voice as to, uh-huh. I, I need you to have a son. I'm like, you're going to a market and going to pick, and I, I need that son <laughs> right there. <laughs> right. Well, if if it had been a girl, trust me, I would still be trying. I would have. We would have a few daughters and sons out there, but uh, but it worked out good. But the, the sad the sad story is that my son's mother died. Mm, sorry, she died. Yeah, she died three weeks after giving birth to him out of complications from from birth. So that was challenging. But he's doing well. He's doing well. He doesn't show any interest in 
in Africa as, as, as I would like him to. But the mother said, his mother here says that uh, he'll come into it, he'll grow into it. But For I'll sure, he, he'll grow into it. Has he been? No, no, he hasn't. He hasn't. He has no exposure, that's why. Mm-hmm. If he gets more exposed to it, he was going to find his way into what he likes about Africa as a whole. Not only probably not Zambia, but he'll find his way. How are, how are you exposing him to Africa in the meantime? Well, I, I, I'm very involved. I'm heavily, heavily involved in the community here. I do a lot of community work and I take him with me. Um, I, I, I want him to see that uh, as a community, as African, not just as Zambian, but as yeah. African, because at the end of the day, we are all one. So whenever I have events, if he's available, I take him and I, I put him, I make him uncomfortable. Do I put him on a spot so he can speak? And he's gotten better. He's gotten better. Now all I have to do is initiate that shift to where he starts to remember that as, as a Zambian, American, he has a responsibility not only to Zambia but to Africa as a whole and then to America too because the African Americans are our brothers and sisters too. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching him that slowly and hoping that one day the light will come on for him to where he'll take that he'll get fully engaged. Yeah, no, he'll he'll catch on on his time. Yes, yes, (laughs) I hope so. Uh, I'm not holding my breath, but I hope so. (laughs) It'll be on his time. Um, I I remember myself. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that my mom used to want me to get into, and I didn't want to. But in my own time, at my own pace, I Mm -hmm. then liked what she was trying to show me, what she was trying to, you know, teach me in those moments. But yeah, as kids, I mean, we got to move at our own pace. Plus, yes. we we feel a sense of, you know, independence that way. It's like, I achieved this by myself, not because by of my past. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm just telling you, so. <laughs> well, I, I'll, take, I'll take your advice. I'll keep that in mind. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go a little easy on him, right? No, you have to. You have to, because if you force it, it's, he's going to hit it. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. It just goes opposite of that. I'll give you an example. If he comes and introduces you a girlfriend, this is my girlfriend, and you don't like that girlfriend for whatever reason, you're mm-hmm. only going to push him towards that girlfriend because you don't like that girlfriend, that's what he's going to go towards. That's that, that's right. just the nature of how, um, I guess, children operate. I don't know why, but it's just that way. <laughs> we dive in. <laughs> I know you're very accomplished. I didn't even say the whole lot of what you do on your bio. Do you mind just explaining to us what you do in a nutshell? Where do I begin? I'll try and keep it short. I'm not, I'm going to summarize it and compound it as best as I can. Listen, you're very accomplished and I don't want for everybody to understand as to why you're here and what you are going to share with us. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. The, the thing, Nancy, is uh, my my company, my company, our company, I don't like to say my, our company because it, there's a lot of us in this company. It's called JK and Partners. And what we are is we're a community development network. So we are a, a, an organization that has a lot of partners 
in different fields. So we have lawyers, we have doctors, we have professors, you know, college professors, we have blue-collar workers, we have everybody. And our mission is to elevate standards of living in Africa using JK and partners as a vehicle. So with our relationships, we have very, very strong relationships with our governments uh, in Africa as well as uh, states. Yeah, like, for instance, I was just recently appointed to the... Uh, Black Advisory Council for the governor of Nevada. So those are the relationships that we leverage and we harness. And what we do is bring, we create business, personal, and political relationships. In short, whatever the United States is doing, we want to duplicate it or mirror it in Africa. So if I'll give you an example. Right now we're working on a project where we have a mining company, and I won't, I won't disclose the name of the country for you know various reasons, but we have a, a mining company in Africa that is looking for equipment financing and investment. And we're talking to the state of Nevada here to see if we can create some synergy there and create a business relationship. So in short, we create business relationships that are focused on elevating standards of living in Africa and right here in the United States in underserved communities by providing especially uh, what we want to do in Africa, Nancy, is we want to we figure the best way for Africa to really grow is we have to create a sustainable middle class. What we like in Africa, there's such a big disparity, such a big gap between the poor and the rich. As you know, you living in the United States like I am, we know the backbone of any economy is the middle class. So how do we build a middle class? That's where our partners come in. So we have partners that help us with logistics. We have partners that are investors. And that's what we do. That's Jackie and partners. I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does answer all the question. I first met you on Zamb- at Zambia Blog Radio, and I was very intrigued with the conversation that you started and I wanted for you to continue that conversation here and I believe in my heart that would be beneficial to our audience, our community to be able to invest back home. My first question to you is what type of investments can people in in the diaspora invest in? Well, I have to put a disclaimer out there. I'm not a financial advisor. Yeah. So but what the, the, the insights I share are personal and just from the information that we're getting on the ground from Africa, mm-hmm. I would strongly, strongly encourage investment in agriculture because the, the, the funny thing about Africa is that we have all the sun you can pray for. We have the best soil. We have our, our population is mostly young people and we have massive land and yet we starve and we struggle for food we are importing food and that's that to me is is, is just ridiculous Nancy. so i would encourage people to invest in agriculture one of the conversations we are having with some government officials here in the u.s is having the u.s import agricultural stuff. I'm talking about vegetables. We're talking fruit. We're talking uh, anything to do with agriculture. 
we can import from the United States rather than import it from Mexico. Because why? That will create jobs for our people, for our young people, and that will elevate our entrepreneurs. So I would invest in agriculture. If you know somebody like that belongs to a co-op, like an agriculture co-op, uh, reach out to them. You could get through, you could deal with them through the ZDA, the Zambia Development Agency. And they, they, they have areas where they can point you to say, okay, this is a co-op that needs ABCD, you can invest in it. Uh, the other one I would recommend is in uh, mining. Uh, we have a lot of natural resources, amazing, abundant, abundant of natural resources, copper, gold, the semi-precious metals, the emeralds. Uh, invest in those, the land, uh, as far as commercial building. There's just, there's so many, it's, 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 it's limitless. I have the long list of investment opportunities in Africa, not just Zambia, in Africa as a whole, because we have people in all these uh, areas. So I would be able to share a list if we can identify some people that are really serious about investing. And the thing about investing, Nancy, is most people think when they hear investor, they're thinking lots of money. Mm-hmm. An investor can be an investor who puts in $1,000, mm-hmm. $500. You could buy a jackhammer. You know what a jackhammer is, right? Yeah. Those are the... the yeah. The ones that you, 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 you no, know, the ones that you, it's like a. Oh, the ones they, that you they get down. Yes, it breaks the rock and then they put the, 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 the dynamite to black. Right. Those jackhammers, you can buy a jackhammer for about six, seven hundred dollars. You can buy a jackhammer right here in the United States, loan it to a small mining company, lease it to a small mining company. Uh, emerald mine, uh, gold mine, whatever it is, and they pay you, they rent it from you. Uh, this, this, and you can negotiate a system where they pay you back somehow. So the, the, the possibilities are endless. Quick question, just personally speaking from your end with agriculture, I know a lot of people are getting into agriculture. I think it's a great investment. I agree with you. Um, but the issue that we have in Africa is electricity in order to water our crops not everybody is by the water and we need generators or we need electricity to say the least are we working towards that problem in solving that problem or what are we doing yes um one thing that is interesting is that our new president uh uh hh as we call him uh for the sake of People who don't know him is our new president, President Hakainde Ichileba, is a businessman, which is something we haven't had uh, in Zambia. We're dealing with seasoned politicians and all they think is, they are limited to their thinking, not to discredit them, yeah. but they are limited in their thinking as far as growth. Uh, our new president is a businessman, so he's, if you see, he's reaching out to everybody or he's, he's making these relationships around the world and that is a good start because what we're going to need especially with our power grid we have the Kariba Kariba Dam we have Zambezi uh, Zambezi River we have so many water sources that we can use to power and generate consistent running electricity right Mm -hmm. so we just need 
we need to we need to work with new ideas, new minds. Uh, Zambians are some of the most most educated people I know. Very innovative. We need to get those. I would, if I were the president right now, I would create. You probably has. I would create a department where you just get these young, fresh minds and have them work on how to eliminate this electricity problem. And we have Zimbabwe, we have Congo, we have all these countries around. We're all surrounded by massive potential for electricity generation. We need to work into that. We need to work towards that. And of course, we have unlimited supply of sun. So I would look into solar energy. Um, Zesco, I, I understood, or rather I heard not too long ago that uh, Zesco was going to be taken by uh, the Chinese because Zambia yeah. owed money. I don't know yeah. what, how much of that was speculative. I didn't want to say too much about it. Me too. I, I heard the same exact thing. Uh, that was like mm-hmm. last year, actually, I heard about it. That it was going to right. be taken over. And yeah. <laughs> we have to fix that. And so we have to fix that. And it starts with people like you and me having these conversations to trigger our brain power. To say, yeah. okay, who has an idea? Let's create a system where an open door policy into the state house. People can come in with fresh ideas on how to eliminate this uh, electricity shortage problem. It's, it's ridiculous. We have, we have too no, much, too many resources to be happening there. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I make fun. Like I was just having a conversation with um, one of the guests. She, they have the same issue in India. And I was I was calling out to everybody. It's like anybody who's listening who has an idea, we need to fix this issue. It cannot be happening in the world. We have so many right. people with great talent. We cannot have no electricity. Like I talked to my mom on WhatsApp in the dark, literally. I can barely see her. We are on video and it's just Yeah, sad. it happens to me too, yeah. It's just sad, but... Um, at least we need some ideas on what, how we can... If, if I'm an investor, I want to make sure that nothing is dying. If I'm doing fish farming or whatever it is that I'm investing in terms of agriculture, I want to make sure that my crops don't die. Right, right. Because of electricity. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure that is a problem that can be solved with just... We just have to dedicate some time into it and have a collective of people work on this to say, how do we solve this problem? We cannot be relying on foreign companies to come and run our electricity when we are so smart. It it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, How about with mining? Which countries do you know that you're connected with that people can invest in that are from Africa? We want to make sure that we're investing in the continent. Zimbabwe is good. Zimbabwe is very good. Rwanda, Rwanda is amazing. Rwanda is very, it's, it's got a very good uh, business climate. Zambia, like I said again, with our new president, Zambia is just virgin territory. It's virgin territory as far as mining is concerned. We have so much land. We have so many minerals. Um, definitely. I would look into Botswana. Botswana is, Botswana, I think Botswana is set in the, in, in the, in the, sense of mining with their diamond obviously but they have copper they have other things too so i would invest in any of these countries that are stable i would if if you want to go into the other countries i'm not going to mention names but there are some countries that are a little unstable we want to make sure that 
the, the system is stabilized enough before we start making investment. But definitely, I would Rwanda, Zimbabwe, Zambia. Um, those are countries that I feel very comfortable, uh, confident and comfortable in investing. But um, the issue about people investing that are in the diaspora is a trust issue. Have you had any issues um, doing doing your investments? Uh, if you don't mind sharing, have you had any you know challenges? Sometimes somebody you know stealing your money just to say it up front, or just not being truthful with what you're investing in. Well, uh, as as funny as this may sound, uh, I have had some business that went south, as they say, but it wasn't from the African side. It was from the American side. Mm. Um, yeah, so as, as people point fingers at Africa and calling us all kinds of names to say we are unscrupulous or whatever, but I was burned by people from the United States going into Africa. Um, Africa, as long as you do business with the right people, now that's why I encourage people to do business at the government level. Those side street deals, as they call them, where somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows a cousin or an uncle to a minister, those deals don't work. Um, that's why for me, I like to do to do it at the government level. Every deal, every project I work on in Africa, I make sure that, number one, it's initiated, or if not initiated, at least the knowledge, the, the ambassador of that country to the U.S. is known, is knowledgeable about that. That way he can help me do all the due diligence and make sure that we're dealing with the right people. Uh, corruption is is a problem that we have in Africa and, and elsewhere, but that's a subject for another day because I have a sense of how we think, I feel we can mitigate the corruption in Africa. But I would strongly recommend that if you're going to do business, in, especially when it comes to investment, deal with people that are reputable in the government and get as many people involved as you can. Where most people make a mistake is we try to limit the people you bring into a project because you, you want to make the most money. Mm -hmm. So you say, if I bring in too many people, then the spread will be too thin, I won't make money. But that's where people go wrong. That's why we, we uh, I think that's why we're fortunate with our company because we don't mind sharing. We don't mind sharing. I would rather you have 20 people yeah. looking at one thing with scrutinizing, scrutinizing eyes, right? Yeah. And get a small percentage than for me to just go blindly and lose money. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But not all of us have access to the government like that. Even myself, I don't have access to the government like that. How do we get in touch with government officials to try and get those contracts in, let's say, Rwanda, Botswana, you know, Zimbabwe, if we have to, you know, other countries, let's say. How do we get well, in touch with those officials? Also through you. Yes, because I have, I have, and we, let me not say, we have been working, our company, JKM Partners, was established in 2005. So what we've done is just brand, brand and build relationships so that people like you who have, you have a two-year-old, you have kids, you have your own business, you have a husband, you don't have to worry about all that. So you tap into us as a partner of JK and we make sure that we direct your project to the right people. That way you don't have to worry about uh, 
getting screwed, as they say. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest part because we are super, I mean, uh, we are scared to invest. Everybody says, invest back home, invest back home. There's roads to be repaired. There's um, mining, like you said, and uh, there's also actually stocks, bonds that people can invest in, but we just don't know what direction to go into. But now I guess we have you to <laughs> consult. And yeah. Do you have any stake into the countries that you get people to invest in? Do you get anything back from the government? From, from let's no. say... No? No, no. Because... So this is just free? <laughs> I wouldn't say free. It's community service. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's community service. It's community development. Because I believe... I'm from the old school. I believe that if you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. Um, because God just has a way of taking care of us. Um, some people may say God. Some people say the universe. But... I don't go into this thing hoping to get some kickbacks. I go into this thing hoping that we could create a system that is sustainable so that Malaika's children and his children don't have to go through what we're going through. Mm. So that's the part. So my investment, my return is in the equity of the country, of the continent as it grows. Beautiful. No, I like that. The... the the service business is the best service. Yeah. Because when you give out anything that you give in a way that grows somebody else, it comes right back to you. Yes. I don't understand how that works, but that's just how it works. Um, yeah, you it just works that way. Yeah, yeah, it just works. You just focused on people, helping people. God will reward you. And that's how I have lived my life. But some people may say, given our currency difference, I live in America or wherever somebody lives in, they say UK, a lot of people from UK listen to the, to Concrete Pastures and they are trying to invest, even in Zambia or Nigeria or Rwanda, the currency difference. Is it truly worth it for me to invest in agriculture in Rwanda, given the currency difference? Of course, I think that's the reason why you should, because the dollar goes a long way, right? The dollar goes a long way. So if you invest your dollars in there, into any African country for that matter. And by the way, when I was listing the countries that I would do business with, I didn't mean to say the other countries are not good because Ghana is another good country. Kenya, Tanzania, all these are countries. With no, no, we're just mentioning a few. Yeah, because you know how people are there be like, oh, we're you going to put that. a disclaimer out there. <laughs> we're just mentioning a few countries for the sake of we cannot mention 54 countries in, the, in Africa. Go. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, but to, to, to get back to you, that has no bearing as long as the country you're dealing with has uh, an exchange program, a foreign exchange program where it's not predatory, right? Where you go into, I remember when I left, I left, I left Africa in 19, I'm going to disclose my age now. I left, <laughs> Africa, I left in 1989. I left Zambia. Oh, wow. 1989. I came to the United States in 1993. I remember when I was going back and forth from Botswana, Zimbabwe, buying and selling cars, we used to come with the dollars and you go on the streets and you exchange the money. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe things are different now. You could go to a financial institution like a bank. To the bank. Things, right? Yes. I didn't so even know makes- you could exchange on the streets. The, the only time I found out about the dollars is at the bank, standard chatted. <laughs> wow, lucky you, lucky you. <laughs> we were exchanging money on the side, so you give them yeah, dollars, pounds, Deutschmark, whatever it is, and then they count in. And sometimes they run with your money. You give them the dollars and they just take off right. Those, those I, I'm just shocked how you would know this is real money or counterfeit. How? how? There you go. So those were the challenges we're dealing with, and now we don't have those challenges. So it's it, it's it's a very good way. You earning or rather investing using the U.S. dollar, it goes a long way in any African country. So the point is the return to me. So I would. Again, my personal opinion, this is what my wife and I do. We have an account in Zambia, bank account, which is a Kwacha account and a dollar account. So whatever transactions we do in there, it stays there. Mm -hmm. Right? It stays there, make sure that the money is circulating and then we make the money grow there to help that country, whichever country we're in, to help it to stimulate whatever portion we can do, whatever... However limited our contribution is, it's a contribution. So yes. if you invest, don't pull the money out, leave the money there, let it grow and use it there. That's what I would do. I see. Good, good, good. Anything else that people can invest in apart from agriculture and mining and buying land? I would say transportation. Transportation is a big deal. Um you have one of the things that we're working on here is to see if we can get some of these old buses from here. Okay, and most of these states have those buses that they, they they depreciate out of inventory, right? And what they do with those old buses, they send them to auction and sell them. So we're trying to make a deal to where we can have those buses sold or donated to Africa. So transportation, as you know, is always is always a problem in Africa. Which ones, like the Greyhound type of buses? Like, no, like the buses, like the local buses, you know. Oh, 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 like the MTA type of buses, the local ones. Right, right, Got like it. those transit buses, right? You know, we have the mini buses back home. Yes, so yes. Imagine yes. if we had those, yeah. So right. that is something you can invest in, as well as uh, you can even do the the. Any type of transportation, I think you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. It's a good investment. Got it. Another one that I wanted to ask, you took, uh, in 2020, 2011, I'm sorry, 2011, you facilitated a mission to take Americans to invest in Zambia. Could you share with us how that trip went and any success from that or challenges that you faced that was uh, when I was with ABCD, ABCD, which stands for African Business, African Business and Culture Development. It was a nonprofit that I studied with some leaders here. Now, one of them, Dr. Lichembe, is my mentor, one of those just seasoned, seasoned elder people in Zambia that I respect. So we started this nonprofit, and we had some investors that we sent to, I didn't go with them, but we sent them to one of our, our colleagues 
and they went uh, they were going to invest in a gold mine uh, they went there somehow the gold mine which is why why I started uh, JK and Partners and elevated it because mm. that deal did not materialize because when our investors got to Zambia the gold mine they, the gold mine they went to invest in did not have all the proper documentation there were things missing uh, the geological surveys were outdated there were other things that were not right so as a consequence of that we didn't get any benefit out of that which is why now we've improved to make sure that if we get investors they come to us before we even open that door of communication to the, the company they are investing in or the people they're investing in we make sure that everything is in, intact but that's one of the things we do at JK and partners we make sure that the licensing is in order and up to date we make sure that all the uh the owner the ownership a property ownership as far as land whatever it is it's in the right people's name uh we make sure that the geological surveys that are current with that, that way but it's all streamlined it goes through our, our underwriting process and when we finalize that everything is good that's when we open those doors but if we can get to the bottom to where it makes sense to us then we don't we don't engage um I'm glad you shared that they write people's names in uh, on the land because there's a lot that's happening, especially in our country. People sell land that does not belong to them. They forge a lot of documents. It happened to my family, actually. Somebody forged a house. Wow. A house. Somebody forged their names on our family name and they wanted to take over the house. They actually sold the house that did not belong to them. And it was just a headache that was not I don't, that that was just a big inconvenience for us mm-hmm. as a family to experience that and it became very expensive because now you have to pay a lawyer to fight for your own property that mm-hmm. belongs to you. <laughs> so I'm glad that you you're doing the background checks. How are you making sure because it bug on my mind for someone to go to the council because it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Um to go to the council to change the deeds of somebody's property and putting their names there. The biggest thing that they made they made a mistake on the names. And uh right. I believe the age as well. So when my mom took her NRC it was a whole different it was the right names but positioned differently wow wow and that happens to 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 often Nancy and it's not just a zambia problem it's an africa problem it is an african problem yeah. we're just giving an example how do you make sure because if these people went to the council Mm-hmm. to forge those paperwork. I'm not sure how it was done. I'm just uh, thinking that they went to the council and typed up something. Someone typed up something for them and they were able to mm-hmm. sell a house. And they ha- the person paid cash. They actually uh, sold it for less than the value of the house itself. Because the house was very expensive. They sold it very low, low price. Mm. Yes, and somebody just rushed to buy it. They lied to them, oh, we are in need of money. And they took over and, you know, got the, the money and ran. So the best way to, to mitigate that 
is to work through a, a law firm. We have partnerships with law firms mm-hmm. that do that for you. Okay, like I said, you uh, it's better to pay a hundred dollars to a, to a law firm to make sure that everything is done correctly. Because if the law firm does it, then they are liable if things don't work out. So that's how you protect yourself. Rather than going in by yourself and thinking, oh, I'm getting a screaming deal. Because you never know. Like you said, How much liability does the, I guess, the lawyer, can we hold to the lawyer? If I pay $100 and I get swindled, God forbid, I buy a house and I end up getting swindled, the paperwork was completely forged. How much liability is the attorney getting? Are they giving me my whole amount or am I just getting my $100 back? You know, if I was a lawyer, I would answer that. <laughs> but because I'm not, I won't. But this is what I know. Okay, through experience, yeah. it depends on the level of investment that you put into the lawyer, right? So every lawyer is different. Mm-hmm. Just like here, you can you can pay a paralegal $50 to write out to file a divorce for you. Yes. Or you can pay an attorney $500 to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it's all different. So I would I wouldn't venture to go into the liability aspect of it. Mm. But that's something. That if somebody were in fact interested, we can get that information to them. Fun question. Mm-hmm. If somebody is interested in investing, let's say in Botswana, and we you are originally from Zambia, your heart belongs to Zambia, I'm sure. Africa too. Botswana has some investment in whatever it is, mining or agriculture, and it's making a lot of money. And Zambia also has something for us to invest in. We want, you would look into build Zambia, you're going back home in order to bring your resources that you've learned to Zambia. Where do you take your investors first? Are you biased? Well, <laughs> No, uh, I would take them wherever they will benefit the most. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would take them because obviously my obligation is to the investors to make sure that they get their money's worth, right, or their return. Um, I was asked this question again not too long ago uh, on Clubhouse. Are you familiar with this Clubhouse? Yes, I'm familiar with Clubhouse. Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I get invited to go to Clubhouse and speak to people. And I was in there speaking, and this one lady said, oh, whatever you say, you go to Zambia first. But I'm, here's the thing. <laughs> I am an African before I'm a Zambia. Right? Wow. I am an African before I'm a Zambian. So Zambia, Malawi, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Ghana, to me, they're all home. They are, they are all home. So I'm not going to say because Zambia is my country, that's who I will give first priority. No, I won't do that. I will go wherever I feel that it's safe. Number one, it's safe for them to do business and where it's going to be lucrative for the investor because Africa is my home. Zambia is where I was born, but I'm an African. So I don't choose which country I go to based on where I was born. No, I don't do that. I see. Why should people trust JK? JK and partners? Mm -hmm. Why should they trust it? Because we have a proven record of being not only about elevating standards, 
uh, but we have a proven record of being committed to our community. We are not going in here to try and make money. Look, Nancy, I've made money in my time. I've made money, and between you and me, money is overrated. Mm-hmm. I've, I've I've had the privilege to make good good money, lots of money, yeah. and I had nothing to show for it, nothing other than the fancy cars, the boats, the big houses. It's, there's nothing, but when you do something that changes a whole dynamic, a, a whole people. That that's what feels good. I don't know if it's maybe because I'm getting old, but <laughs> yeah. My, 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 because my, I'm about to ask about the young people. We the, the young people are the future. So you are saying money is not important, and right now, all the young people are like rushing to get a slice of what you've had. Well, I'm, I wouldn't say money is not important because we needed to pay bills and buy food. That's always good, right? Mm. But when you when 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 you when you help people, I, I don't know if you heard me. I, I told, and I'll tell you, especially the young people. I, I said this story in the last conversation we had, where you heard me speak, right? I, I talked yeah. about my father. I, I, I had a big house on golf course in Sacramento, and I had. Um, Mercedes Benz, hundred thousand dollar Mercedes. I bought it before the car even came out. I was doing like that. I was doing well like that. And my father came. Then that's when I brought my my father and my sisters. I have two sisters here, Anne and Rosemary. So to, we came together and we brought our parents home. We brought our parents here. And my father, I was driving my father to my house, right? I'm driving him in this car and I'm looking at my dad. I'm like, my dad is proud of me. And my dad is just looking around. We're in my Mercedes. We drive, we go through this big gate. The gate opens and I drive into my my community. And it's just golf courses everywhere, just green, beautiful, big, huge houses. And I'm, I'm looking at my dad and he's just, just staring straight. And then we pull up to my house, out of 8,000 square foot house. Nice. We pull up to my house and we get into and I open the garage and I open the door and it was like, what? Then I look at my dad and say, hey, dad, what do you think? And my dad was shaking his head. He said, let me get this straight. It's you and your wife, the two of you, in this house. And you have people in Zambia, starving. Your people in Luwingu, because I'm from Luwingu, from Luwingu village. So your people don't Where's even have Luwingu water. Village? I'm sorry. Luwingu, Luapula province. That's where I'm from. Got it. You, you guys would know anything about that. You too. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where's Luwingu? <laughs> I know Luapula province. <laughs> Luwingu is there. <laughs> and, and my father, my father was so upset with me. He was so disappointed. He said, "You have all this, and your people back home are suffering." He says, "That car you're driving there, that you're showing off in, the money you used to buy that car, you could have bought a bus, a few buses that would be transporting young young boys and girls to school, 
you have young boys and girls in Africa walking from for miles, Nancy, for miles with buckets of water on their head so they can have food. And you 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 are living like this. He said, grow up, son. That's when I changed and I grew up. So wow. It, it's it's it, there's more to there's more to it than that. And and for the young people, obviously they have to go through that transition themselves, right? Uh, they have to experience it. You know, you, you you have to live the American dream as they call it. But it evolves as you get older, you find that the American dream for me now, the American dream is making sure that the things we take for granted here in the United States, like running water, electricity, uninterrupted electricity, mind you. Uh, I want I want Africa to have those things. I want to do something to where anybody, anybody that has a, a, an education, college education, should live in a house with running water, electricity, and should have a car to drive. That's the middle class. Yeah. To me, that's my American dream, to have the middle class like we have here in the United States, in Africa. Then I think I would, then I would feel that I've, I've done something. But other than that, it's all fluff. I like your father. He was talking yeah. of a little girl like me. Because I walked a lot to go to school. <laughs> I carried, I was one of those that carried water on my head. Really? Yeah, starting, oh. my beginning was that way before my mom established herself. But yeah, so that was great of him to do. What was his background? What was he doing before? My father worked for the mines. He, he was a miner. He was a foreman uh, mm. at, in the copper mine in Mofulera, where we're from. I see. Yeah. No, that's good. Wow. That's yeah. touching. <laughs> yeah. It was embarrassing for me. It was embarrassing for me uh, because that was when I realized that I had gotten caught up into the American way of saying, I'm, I've made it and I forgot where I came from. And it's so. easy to get caught up. It takes maturity. It takes looking inside and remembering where you came from. It's very easy because the more you, you rise through the ranks of you know getting successful, and once you make it, you want to celebrate that. And sometimes you can forget where you came from. But I'm glad yeah. you had someone to remind you. And look at you. You're doing the service. Yes. Oh. And thanks to, thanks to people like you, I get to tell my embarrassing story. and make <laughs> It's not embarrassing. It's growth, I think. Right. It's teachable. It is, we will teach a lot of people. There's people probably, you know, in your same shoes that you were in before. And now they can look at what, I guess, God put them here to do. But mm. not, all of, not all of us can find out until you, like, someone kind of nudges you or something. Or right. something happens. And then, you know, or you hear someone else's story and you're like, oh, my God, maybe I'm supposed to be doing this, too. Right. And just think about it, Nancy. What we need, what we need to do in, in Africa is to stop the brain drain. Right. Mm. Because the problem we have in Africa, and Dr. Kenneth Kaunda is my all time favorite African leader. You know, everybody have... knows him. Every time I say I'm from Zambia, 
Oh, Dr. Kaunda. Like. Oh my God. <laughs> amazing, amazing servant of the people. I met him personally that when I was in Sacramento, this was after he, he was out of office, obviously. Uh, he came to give some speeches at some universities uh, in Sacramento. Mm. And a, a friend of mine at the time said to me, says, oh, you know, uh, Kaunda is in town and you want to be on his delegation so we can work? I said, really? So I went and it ended up, first, it, I ended up driving him around in Sacramento. Wow. Uh, yeah, I ended up, but there was a few of us and we were using my car and I remember he made a joke because my car, I I had my name on my license, but you know, again. <laughs> Living I, the life. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember he said to me, he says, wow, you're driving with your name on the license? Right? That's very brave. I remember he said that. <laughs> he, he, he's another person that taught me some really, really good insights. But what I want to say about him that I think where he went wrong was that he overeducated by giving free education, obviously. We overeducated our people, but we did not have the infrastructure to keep them there. Yeah. So when we were, right? So mm-hmm. when we were sending our smart, our brilliant kids abroad to learn, once they graduated, they saw that they could make more money where, wherever they were. They stayed, they never came back. And that's what pulled, that's the brain drain. And how do we stop that? We stop that, Nancy, by making sure that we create good jobs in Africa, good paying jobs. Mm -hmm. A person who's educated, and to me, education is anybody who's gone over 12th grade. That's educated, right? Yes. They should have have a car. They They should be able to support their family. They shouldn't have to go without food, not for any reason. They should have a nice house, electricity, and all that should be standard. That's what we want to teach our young ones. But how Let's do we start to do that? Because all of this is nice to hear. And I have an audience in Zambia and they're going to listen to this. I was like, okay, they talking about me having a car, me having an education, having that job. There's a lot of people that traveled abroad and they went back home. They couldn't get a job. Because one, they're overeducated sometimes, or their degree does not match with what Zambia has. Mm-hmm. And they end up sometimes not even getting established. And it's just so depressing that you've gotten, you've gone overseas, you've got an education, or even the ones in Zambia. Mm-hmm. They have gone through the college or 12th grade and they cannot get a job. And you're talking about the middle class. Mm-hmm. How do we get those people into the middle class? It's very simple, Nancy. By investing into our SMEs, right? The small to medium-sized enterprises. If we work with the government to make sure that we empower, we have to empower those small businesses so that they can create jobs for the people in their areas. That's what, and it goes back. It goes back every time I look at. I try to dissect it and think about it different ways. It always circles back to equipment. If we were to have a consistent flow of heavy equipment into Zambia, 
for the sake of this conversation, let's say Zambia. Mm-hmm. If we were to have heavy equipment, I'm talking about graders, caterpillars, bulldozers, water tank, which we have right here in the United States. Yeah. And the United States is ready to sell at a very, very discounted price this equipment to Africa. We have to create a banking system that is open enough to where we can do financial exchanges between the U.S. and Zambia. Because this equipment is there. If we get this equipment into Zambia, now we're going to empower the small businesses to become bigger businesses. And with bigger businesses come comes more jobs. And we now all these educated people, we start giving them these jobs, and then we grow from there. That's how we create a middle class. How is the transportation? Because for me to send a barrel, like the big barrel, for, mm-hmm. to my mom, is five hundred dollars. I can't imagine sending that big machinery to Zambia wow. or Botswana. Shipping, okay. So now, now when when you have large cargo at, at a high frequency, you get negotiated prices. So. That's how we do that. And when you bring in governments, like we're dealing with the Nevada government, uh, which is the state, obviously. And we have Zambia, Zimbabwe. Now we find a shipping company that says, okay, what kind of a deal can you give us? If we'll be giving you, you'll be transporting, you'll be shipping ABCD at such a frequency. You get a better discount. That's how we do that. Have you shipped any to Africa yet? Not particular, not me, but I have partners who do this on a consistent basis. Got it. Mm. Have they shared any price range of anything? It, it depends. Uh, it, you could do a 40-foot container depending on where it's going. They range. They could, With prices of gas these days, it's very hard to determine. Yeah. Just to give someone an idea, if they are saving or if they have their money under their mattress, you know, they can reach out to JK Partners. I have... Money, I want to invest. Show me where I can go. Well, first of all, if your money is in a mattress, I don't want to see. Finally, <laughs> 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 through the bank, because you don't want to get caught up in, you know, we, we, we've worked very hard to build a reputation. So, but anyway, um, what I would recommend is that it, it just, see, this is not like a, a a cookie cut response. Yeah. No, it's there's so it's, many. There's so many variations. You mm-hmm. can ship a container, a forty foot container, for five thousand dollars from here to Zambia, right? Five thousand dollars you ship it. It's what you put in that container that matters. Is that going to make sense to where you get your money back? Mm-hmm. You're not going to recoup your money if you're shipping things that are already there. Keeping in mind that China is in there bringing things that are cheaper. Yeah. What we're shipping from here is quality. Okay. Even when we talk about equipment, heavy equipment, when you take uh, used heavy equipment in America by American standards, it's still relatively good new equipment to us. It's true. So, it's true. Yeah. So, and we just don't want to send the equipment there. We want to make sure that we have the infrastructure to maintain that equipment. So we want to make sure that we we, we have uh, mechanics trained to work on this equipment. We want to make sure that we create, eventually we want to get into having a hub of 
leasing out the equipment to these miners because not everybody can buy them. So we just have to work. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take a lot of us. It's going to take people like you, Nancy, putting the word out. Yeah. Where now people start coming to say, okay, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. But I'm always listening. And what I don't know, I'll go ask somebody. But I think we're moving in the right direction. People like you do what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, would you say if someone is contemplating on coming to the U.S., they should stay in Zimbabwe instead of coming here to see what the future has for them? Or should they stay in their country to try? And so this is how I would look at this. Uh, if they're coming here to learn, then by all means. But if they want to move and migrate here and to stay here, I wouldn't recommend that because we should be staying back home. The the, the opportunities back home, it, it hasn't even been open yet. I have inside information that's going to say that in the next 20 years, mm. in the next 20 years, it's Africa. Africa is a new frontier. That's no, everybody is talking running. about it. No, everybody is talking everybody about it. Everybody's running. In yes. Africa, everybody, uh, this is the best time to invest in Africa. But it's just people don't have their contacts, their connections to how they can invest in Africa. And people are, you know, a little bit timid as to who we can trust. That's the right. biggest hurdle for us. It's like the trust issue knowing where we are from i'm sure a lot of people are interested in investing back home it's just the trust issue yeah and and uh, that's that's that that's always going to be there uh, that's always going to be there but you start mitigating that issue by creating relationships uh, you build relationships slowly and you build trust. You start small. Don't jump into and do big things. Start small. Make sure the people... For me, for instance, Nancy, people I, I associate with are people that have been referred to me by somebody. Not just called. Like you and I are talking because of the relationship I have with Noah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how... That's how... Because now, if something goes wrong between me and them, I blame Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Right? And, and, and that's that's how you build relationships. You build these relationships based on a referral. When you're, if people are referred to you by people you trust, then you can trust them. That's yeah. the best way to do it. I mean, that's how communities are built. They're built on, you know, someone knows someone knows someone and someone knows someone. It's like I found you. Miss Samsung exactly. invited me to Zambian blog. I heard you speak. I asked who you were. He gave me the phone number to Noah, and Noah gave me your phone number. And it's just, the rest is history. <laughs> right. And we're just beginning, sister. We're just beginning. Yay. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to add about Africa? I I know that you're very passionate. You have entertained the likes of the president of uh, Uganda before. You affiliate, I'm sure, yourself with a lot of officials in Africa. What have you heard? Like, what else can we invest in as people in the diaspora that will be listening to this? I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I think the first thing we have to do as Africans is connect with our brothers and sisters in the African American community. Okay, um, 
the African Americans are hungry. They are hungry for uh, for inclusion. They 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 feel, and I, I go into I go around and I, I talk to them, and some of the stories are very very heartbreaking because they've heard different stories about oh Africans think this this. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm sure you've heard this. People say Africans hate African Americans and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. That is so. That is so not true. No, it's not. It's not true. <laughs> and I've met a lot of African Americans. One of them happens to be my wife, and I haven't heard any African American who said they hate Africans. So it's all. It's something that somebody started. The enemy, whoever that is, yeah. they started whispering in our ears, and now to break us apart, so we don't trust each other. Why? Because if we're divided, we're gonna beg. But if we're united, we bargain. So I would strongly suggest that if you are an African trying to do business in Africa, pair up with an American. Find an African American. Find a Caribbean American. Find anybody that is of African descent, right? Yeah. And partner with them. Because the only way Africa will really, and this is again my opinion, the only way Africa, I think, will really elevate to get to her potential, full potential, is if we bring in our African-Americans. Because that is their home. And mind you, they were born here, so they are smart, they are sharp, and they are hungry. So we can use that knowledge. So I would partner partner African-American with African, then go do a project, do small projects. Mm. And if you do, the best way to do it, like for me, what we do is we create WhatsApp. Now we have WhatsApp, right? Yeah. So you identify a few people, um, African-American, you create a WhatsApp group and you start conversations there. You say, okay, guys, we're thinking about sending a container of, say, clothes to Zambia. Yeah. Okay. We call it Salaula. Do you speak Bamba? To Salaula, a little bit. I understand. (laughs) There was there's what we call Salaula. That's the used clothes, right? Yes. People sell on the market. But I understand that one. (laughs) I used to buy a lot of it, and it's really good. Of course. And that's what most of us used to get dressed and you buy those, you iron them, you dress up, you look good, you feel confident, you go do, you go on about your business, right? Yeah. So what I, yeah. So imagine all the Goodwill stores. You have a lot of these people that are just donating stuff. I'm Mm -hmm. talking clothes, just donating. So you, me, Noah, somebody else coming together, we create a WhatsApp group, say, okay, I have a, a source right here in Las Vegas, Goodwill, where I can get some clothes, right? Yeah. How do we ship them to Africa? So now you start, that's right there is a business organization you're starting right there. And you build on that. Next thing you know, you're shipping clothes. Next thing you know, you're shipping equipment. Next thing you know, you're importing now from Zambia coming here. That's how we grew up. That's what I would do. Got it. How can people um, find you? I mean, I can talk to you forever and ask you a lot of questions. <laughs> but <laughs> how can uh, people find you? Well, by my, my by email is the best way. Okay. Uh, uh, email is the best way because the whole thing with 
uh, websites and all that. In my experience, websites don't really do anything. They don't work. Okay? They don't work. Social media works. You have social, social media? media? Mm-hmm. I, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, but my my email address is JK and Partners. I'll share everything in the show notes. So you could just send me everything. I'll share everything in the show notes. This way they can just click and they can type up whatever they want. Now you're just showing off. (laughs) (laughs) You're calling out my old age because for us, you'd be like, oh, write this down. You'd be like, no, no, you don't just send it, right? (laughs) I told you, the young people are the future. (laughs) Oh my God. And and I'm really counting on them. I'm banking on you guys so much, so much. You have no idea how much we depend on you guys. We we really, look, Nancy, we are the ones we have been waiting for, okay? Those of us that have had the privilege to come and live in the United States, we did not come here because we're smarter than the average. We came here because we're chosen. Mm-hmm. We're chosen by our God to come here, not to come here and goof around. No, we, we, we are stewards of our people. We are here so that we can learn, connect, collaborate, and invest into our country and our continent. So when you do things like this, we can laugh and joke about it. Yeah. But from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful, sincerely, because okay. nobody wants to do it because they think the problem is too big. I can't make any difference. But you can. And when you... when when you wake up that one morning like I did and realize that, you know what, if I don't do anything about it, it's not going to be done. Then you start to think, I need to do something. Now you and I are talking. Guess what? Now you're in, now you're a partner. Now you're JK and partners. So now, and that's how we build it. Yes. No, for sure. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much. No, no problem. Of course. It's an honor to have you here. So what do you live by? What motivates you? What gets you to provide service for others? Do you have a quote? Do you have inspiration aside from your father? Well, I, I, I have a quote that I, I created myself. And it says, the greatest display of strength is restraint, right? So your ego... Your ego, and when I when I made, when I did that quote, I was thinking about ego, because ego is an enemy that we all must conquer. Mm-hmm. Because the ego is the is is that voice in your head that says, "Oh, they're punking." It's the voice in your head that says, "Who do they think they are?" That's the ego. When you feel offended by what somebody says about it, that's your ego. So you need to keep that in check. And what I try to, to, to live by is the fact that I'm not in a popularity contest. Uh, I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to elevate my people. And I know that not everybody's going to support me. Not everybody's going to like what I say. Yep. I'm going to be criticized at every turn. But as discouraged as I may get, I still stay on mission because 
I believe that we are truly the ones we have been waiting for. Those of us that are here and those of us that are there back home that are working very hard, we need to find a way and a channel, a channel of free-flowing communication so we can create our own Africa the way we want it. We have all the tools, we have the brains, we have the charisma, we, we, we can do it. So I say focus on helping people at whatever capacity, at whatever level you can. Mm-hmm. And we can make a big difference. Well said. I have nothing to add to that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> right? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Um, I could add my two cents, but I'll keep it to myself. No, please. No, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I, I like the, what you said. There's always going to be somebody who has something negative to say, no matter what you do. So if we are in the business of impressing people, we'll never fill that cup. So staying on, on mission is the way to go. There's a lot of people who think I have to do a certain, uh, the podcast a certain way, I would say. And um, it's just, this is what God has put me to, chose me to do. And I'm doing it the Nancy way that he's showing me. And you are doing it the way you are being shown to do. Yes. And yeah, that's my two cents. (laughs) I love it. And I love the Nancy way, by the way. I love the Nancy way because you are very, you're very, you have a very gentle spirit. It makes it makes me feel comfortable talking to you because I've been on shows where it's like this. They bring me on just to challenge me to see <laughs> how much I know what I know. And I'm like, I never said I knew anything. All I'm telling you is that I have a team of people, team, yeah. team of people, experts, and I didn't get to where I am by being stupid, right? Of course, yeah. So if, course. if I'm going to tell you what I'm telling you, mm. and you don't find value in it. That's on you. Yeah. No, of course. Of course. Right. Have you found your concrete pastures? I ask this to everybody. This is concrete pastures. Welcome. (laughs) Have you found yours? Well, I'll tell you what my concrete pasture is. To make sure that I show my wife love and support to make sure that she comes first before anyone. That means before my son, mm-hmm. before my mother, before my sister. Because you know what? At the end of the day, it's just me and her, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody, my son is going to go get married. He's going to have his own life. My So my wife, to me, my main thing is to make sure that my wife and I are on the same page all the time. Uh, that she understands me and I understand her. She understands my culture and I understand hers. And together we build together. My son, like to see him finish the job I've started here. Because this job that I've started, this work, is it's it's gonna take forever. Like Martin Luther King said, I may not get there with you, but I've been there, I know what it looks like. And I know what it looks like. I know what Africa is and what it will be. I want to see Africa be respected. I want to see Africa 
Like, do you remember in the movie Wakanda? Uh, what was that? Black Panther? Black Panther. Black Panther. Do you see how they, they the, the way they pro- portrayed Africa? Yes. Where it's like the highest level of technology? Yes. That's what I want to see. I want to see Africa be respected. I, I don't want people showing, when people talk about Africa, I don't want people seeing kids with flies, with malnutrition, bellies. I don't know. I want yeah. when they show Africa, they show Africa, the beauty of it. I want I want people like you to succeed. I want people like you to succeed. I yeah. want people like you to be brave and be courageous, knowing that we're dealing with social media. People are always going to say bad things. I, I, I pray for people like you, Nancy, to have thick skin, uh, knowing that you're going to be rejected. You're going to be ridiculed because that happens to me all the time. People say things about me. Sometimes I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't need this. And my <laughs> wife says, no, stay, stay on the horse. Yeah. You don't fall over. Um, I want to see Africa develop. I want to see the African-Americans and the Africans come together and speak with one voice. That is why I, I'm the inaugural president. I'm the founding president of an organization here in Las Vegas called the African Diaspora of Las Vegas, where we have 27 countries from Africa speaking with one voice. That's why I am now uh, part of the Urban Chamber of Commerce in Las Vegas, which is African-Americans at the highest level. That's why I'm, uh, I've been appointed to the Governor's Black Advisory Council. There's 10 people in that council, the sharpest minds you can find. I want to see all of us come together and put our attention on Africa so that we can be respected that we should. That's my concrete pastures. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. That's beautiful. (laughs) I can talk to you forever. It's been an honor to have you on Concrete Pastures. You've poured into the community. We all have a lot to learn. I've learned a lot through our conversation, your story, even your father, your son, just knowing you and you sharing what the vision is for Africa. It's a start. Yes. This is the beginning of a conversation. And um, when we foresee things in Africa that are going to you know, go through through our investment, I'd like for you to come back and share those success stories. I'll be happy to. It will be an honor. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) My pleasure. My pleasure, Nancy. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. This is your home. This is our home. This is your space. I'll keep that in mind. Once again, thank you so much, Mr. Katuta, for sharing your story with us. This was an insightful conversation. I learned a lot. We have a lot of takeaways, guys. Those of us looking to diversify our investment portfolio look no further than our continent, Africa. A lot of people are talking about investing now in Africa. Now is the time. So please take advantage. We are from there. So we can start with our own countries if you'd like. And also, you know, we have all of these options that our guest has mentioned, which is agriculture, mining, machinery, commercial investment, 
transportation, just to name a few. We also have the luxury to pick from all 54 countries that we have in the on the continent. Remember the tips that our guests also mentioned. Start small. Deal with government officials. Find out who is in charge of certain, certain departments like agriculture, mining, whatever you're trying to invest in. Find out more details so you don't get swindled. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that when we invest, we have those returns. If you have any questions or are serious about investing in Africa, feel free to reach out to our guest. I also have all his contact information in our show notes. If you like what you've heard, you like the discussion, again, feel free to let our guests know. Once again, thank you, Mr. Katuta, for your commitment to our community. I appreciate you for being here today. Thank you again for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours. Share it with your family and friends. Tag me on your social media. I have Facebook. I have Instagram, whichever one that you use. I would also love to hear from you. Leave me a review. And if there's a topic you have in mind that you'd love for me to cover, let me know as well. Look out for new episodes every week on Mondays. And I truly appreciate you being part of the community and supporting the community. Until next time, keep dreaming.